0: Has Luke Walton lost the locker room? Who are the surprise breakout players this year? Will the Cavs make a deal to improve their roster? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show. Uh I, I think that we have another issue. We, uh, Wirecast is giving us some problems, so we had to go back to Skype. And of course, it's frozen, but you can hear you, Dave. Is that right? Uh, I, I think people can hear me. I hope they can hear me. Um, I, I think, yes. I, I can hear you, and I that's would not the most want important to, thing.
1: Yeah, I would not want to deprive them of hearing my voice.
0: Yes, and so we'll have to just sort of focus on the fact that you're looking down uh, in a very pensive look, like you're, you're, you're considering what we're talking about very deeply Uh, And, well, that's fine. So, uh, at any rate, um, let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about the the NBA, shall we? We also want to make sure we're going to cover all your questions uh, in the Periscope comments and even on Twitter if you want to ask that. So, let's break down. Let's get into it. Uh, We're going to talk, I think we thought maybe to begin with, we can briefly mention some thoughts about Lonzo Ball and what he was saying uh, uh, in the news within Rick Carlisle's response. Uh, Do you want to take it off first? Oh, you mean LeVar Ball. What did I say? You said Lonzo. Oh, I did. Okay. Lavar Ball. Forgive me. Yeah. So uh,
1: Lavar Le- basically uh, intimated that, that Luke Walton is losing the locker room, that nobody wants to play for him. That, that, that's the exact quote uh, that kind of caused the firestorm. Now, I, I have actually brought this up with you as well. Uh, in addition to other folks, that it's weird to me that a team this young is having team meetings. <laughs> and, you know, it, it it's sort of like there is a huge amount of dysfunction going on in the Laker organization in general. I think the way the front office is handling things is a little weird. Uh, it, you know, if you've got these young players, what incentive do they have to play for you when they know, you know, it, it's not like you're dealing with veterans that know they're on the way out. You're dealing with young guys that know they're on the way out.
0: All right. Well, you're talking and that's about like different. Julius Randle, like
1: Julius Randle and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I just think that the way that they're kind of stringing these guys along is not great. Um, and I think like the best thing that could have happened is if if Lakers front office would have just kept his mouth shut. Uh, and I don't mean like right now. I mean, just from the time they took over. Okay. Um, anyway, so what you've got is, uh, LeVar ball says that Luke Walton, nobody wants to play for him. And, uh, actually I'll, I'll read the whole thing. He doesn't have the control of the Luke doesn't have control of the team no more. They don't want to play for him. That That's a good team who, you know, they lost nine straight. Uh, nobody wants to play for him. I can see it. No one high fives when they come out of the game. People don't know why they're in the game. He's too young. He's too young. He ain't connecting with them anymore. You can look at every player. He's not connecting with one player. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the thing right there.
0: Now, here's the funny thing. I saw another interview after that where it was a lot more subdued and a lot more like "Eh, he wasn't really saying much of anything like that. And when I had to go back and find those quotes, it was a little bit more surprising to me because when I first heard what was going on, I quickly scurried to the Internet to read it or to see what was going on. Uh, he definitely seemed to have tempered it. Someone must have talked to him after that. Um, but I also feel like, you and, know, and, and so his point is, yeah, they lose nine in a row. Of course, anyone's going to fall apart on that. You know, no one's going to listen to the coach anymore after nine in a row. My boys have never lost nine in a row or lost nine games in their whole high school career. Um, so but what I did hear in the interview later on with Jeff Goodman uh, on the couch was that he hadn't even really talked to Lonzo about this. And if he's all the way in Lithuania now, like how the hell does he even know? Is he just he's watching TV? He doesn't see high fives? Like, that's what I don't understand. I think he's talking out of his ass.
1: Yeah. Well, so LeVar Ball and Donald Trump have a lot in common. And that's as far as I'm going to go on that one. It's its not its not shocking to me that both of these guys have seen like a, a rise in their fortunes at the same time. Let's just put it that way. Um, so anyway, so, so you had that that situation and that's and that's pretty shitty because it puts it puts Lonzo in a terrible position. And so of course they asked Lonzo about it, and Lonzo has to, you know, play the, the good soldier, but also the good son, and it just sucks. I feel bad for him being caught in the middle of it. And um, you know, uh, with that being said, Rick Carlisle had you know, he took offense. Basically, he's taking offense to LeVar Ball getting as much attention as he gets, and it this kind of triggered it. Now we've seen him get a little testy about coaches and uh, being criticized in the media before. He is the president of the Coaches Association, so you know he has a vested interest in protecting his guys and, and whatnot. But um, the 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 story—I don't know if you saw this—where uh, was it? Sam Amico said that that a source told him that there were certain coaches that are going to start pressuring their PR folks to pull credentials on reporters that that do stories or interview LeVar Ball. See, that's the slippery slope part of this. I don't, I don't think Rick Carlisle is going to do that because I think Rick Carlisle has been around a long time and he understands that that's not how you get things done. Right. Uh, but to me, I'd go the opposite way. I would say let's give them more access so they have better stories to report. LeVar Ball is just like – you know, if if us, the the reading populace would quit looking at this stuff, the LeVar ball goes away. It's not interesting anymore.
0: You know, I, I get you. But by the way, I do want to make sure that it's clear what Rick Carlisle was really criticizing, because it looks like to me that he's really upset with ESPN. Right. Less right. LeVar. He, yeah. and, and so what he wrote in, in his uh, the full transcript of what he had said was, Uh, I view, this is Rick Carlisle's words, I view the recent ESPN article as a disgrace, quite honestly. Luke Walton is a terrific young coach who is bringing along a young team and it's a difficult task. Uh, If you don't believe it, just ask me. We're going through it now and we've been through it last year. So ESPN has an NBA partner and they've been a great one, but part of that partnership, the coaches do a lot of things to help them with access, interviews, and all those kind of things. So in exchange, they should back up the coaches. And I don't know if I really, that's not what ESPN's in, that's not their business. And not that's not what they're in this is for. So, um, you know, it is news. A father of a player is, is criticizing the coach. Of course that's going to be news. Uh, of course they lose nine in a row. That's part of what should be in your contract as a coach is that you are going to take shit from all sides everywhere. And here's one thing, the interesting thing. I didn't think Lavar really was, even though he's a loudmouth and brash and going to be all these things, I didn't think it was going to be a big issue at the NBA level. It just feels like these are adults. This is a whole new level of whatever. Uh, is it, is it really an issue? I mean, I know we're talking about it, but does it, is it really think,
1: I mean, a thing? Listen, if I were the Lakers, I would have a strict no comment policy and that's for every player, meaning Lonzo as well. No comment. And if you break it, it's a fine and it's a hefty fine. That's where I would go with it. Now mm-hmm. we have no comment on LeVar Ball. That's it. That's, that's the point that you're at because it is a distraction. It's a, this is a young team. They're, they're not a good team either. They're going to be bad. Um, but who's going to, like this summer, what free agent's going to want to come join that circus? You know? <laughs> well, and you look uh... at, like, think about it. Like People are thinking LeBron James is coming there. I'm sorry, man. LeBron's not dealing with that kind of
0: mess. That just ain't going to happen. That's interesting. So you think that LeBron James and everyone we you hear and I didn't even know LeVar was saying it, that that uh, that LeBron is going to go to LA to the Lakers, you think that that would be a a sticking point for LeBron where he simply wouldn't go because of the father.
1: I don't think I don't think LeBron is going to be kept out of LA because of Le, LeVar Ball. Like LeVar Ball is not going to dictate anything to LeBron, but what I mean is if you look at how the organization is mishandling this, it's not exactly painting this picture of an organization that's, like, professional and ready to roll. They've obviously got some culture issues. I mean, you don't lose five years in a row like they have and not and not have culture issues. But but then with this other stuff now happening and they're just doing a terrible job taking care of it, um, I, I think that, you know, there's a, there's an issue. There's a problem. Uh, and the one time that LeVar has kind of crossed paths with, with LeBron, LeBron kind of sunned him. So, um, you know, I... I I, I'm just—I'm not saying that LeBron's not going to go to LA because of Levar Ball, but is not going to get him there.
0: Uh, okay, fair enough. I mean, we could talk about that for a second as well. Uh, as far as the, the choice LeBron would make to go to LA, when I, I, which I would think would be—I uh, mean, there's a narrative there where okay, if he goes there and he wins, okay, now he's won in three different teams, then that's that—that ama- that maybe gets him over Michael Jordan or something like that, uh, but. Geez, Louise, he wants to go into the Lions' then where he's going to have to deal with, you know, Houston and San Antonio and Golden State. Uh, you know, there's nothing like that in the East. It's, it's, it's like I, I can't understand why he would ever consider going to the West no matter what. But, I mean, unless he was going to join the Warriors or join the Rockets. Um, oh, my
1: God. Could you imagine if somehow, like, yeah. he went to the Warriors? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, that would be, it would be fun uh, to some degree, but it also, yeah, that would just be it. They, uh, LeBron going to the Warriors, and I don't, by the way, I don't know if that means, that must mean Clayleys or whatever, that, that they'd still win 80 games or something crazy like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it'd be crazy.
0: It'd be insane. Well, we have a question about Lonzo Ball's shot that I wanted to get in there by R. Hicks, uh, who was asking on Twitter and here. uh, You know, the last eight games, and I can probably go back even farther, Lonzo Ball is shooting 42.9% from three on seven attempts per game. And if that ain't elite and that ain't you know, something to look at and go, OK, then I don't know what is. And so we've talked about this before. And there is a, a, some subtle differences, I think, with his preparation um, that have helped his rhythm. So you know, I, I think we had said it was a matter of time until he can get comfortable and make them. I think here we are where there is no need to change what he's doing mechanically much.
1: I still worry about his margin for error. Uh, With his shot, that was the one thing that you and I actually talked about. We were like, the shot itself is fine, but the margin for error just is very slim. He uses a lot of his offhand, uses a lot of his thumb. Um, And and when you do that, like uh, Steph Curry is like the only thumber that (laughs) does it almost perfectly every single time.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Well, you okay, we can fight right, about and, this. Okay.
1: I mean, Larry Bird, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, no, there's a lot of thumbers out there that were really good shooters that haven't been figured out. Well, Larry Bird. But
1: all right, but I mean, you know, I mean, listen, let's if you want to talk about, about high volume stuff like that. You
0: know, but when you're looking at his stuff, the, the thumb is probably the last thing you might look at as far as what he's doing and how he's shooting Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but uh, you know, the biggest issue I had was that he was leaning forward um on as he's per- bending his knees down to go up. So his Torso was almost in front of his feet, and now he's got to kind of slingshot back the feet and everything was getting, you know, the, the rhythm was off while the upper body was waiting for the feet to come back and flow forward. Uh, he, he wants to shoot it, but he has to wait, so his whole body was out of rhythm, and we, they, he's adjusted that a little bit more, and uh, it, looks, it looks better. And so, you know, over the last 10 games, it's 40%. I could probably keep going back and see. But certainly there's a real trend here to where he's feeling better about it. The rhythm is there. So, again, I wouldn't touch a thing with it right now. Let him finish out the season and see where we get on a 30, 40 game sample size and figure that out from there.
1: Yeah. And as off the dribble, they, they've got him taking a good hard dribble going right. They've got him taking a good hard dribble to get the ball up, and that's helping his gather quite a bit. It's, in, it's increasing the speed there. I still there's some weird stuff with his hands. And with finishing, you can see it, it's it's pretty apparent. But uh, with that being said, he looks a lot better now than he did at the start of the season, which is what you expect. And, um, yeah, he was not – like, we know he wasn't as bad as he started out.
0: Right, right. Now, by the way, uh, the other thing we heard from Lonzo Ball, which I had also quoted, although I'm uh, have to kind of try to find it, was, they asked him if he liked Luke Walton as a coach, something like that. And his answer really wasn't, um, you know, the the, the wholehearted, full throated response that you should hear yeah. from a player. Now he's young, and maybe he's not quite as polished as he needs to be uh, in those kind of responses. Uh, he, one of the, basically, he said, "I'll play for anybody." Was his was the right. big quote?
1: Yeah, and that's that's what I mean. Like about the, I would go with a blanket no comment policy. Yeah. Uh, you know, like take that away, take that. The, the opportunity for him to have to, like, kind of, you know, walk that tightrope. Just take it away. Take it away.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, and, and someone said, well, what was he supposed to say? I said, well, you know, what you generally learn when you get to the NBA is, the, the, the kind of answer to that is, you know, uh, uh I, I he's a I respect the coach. He is the guy in charge. He's working as we're all working as hard as we can as a team. You know what I mean? Like those are the phrases they give you to say. And like, you know, I don't I am assuming they would have given those to Lonzo too. And uh when you when you kinda anything short of that becomes a non uh, a non answer or becomes a the opposite, which is like obviously you don't want to play for him. Um You know, and that's that's not good either. And that's all. That's basically what these writers look live for, right? They're looking for those kind of answers, and they can write a whole five hundred word Treatise about how he's he wants Luke Wall to be fired, which is probably not even close to the case. Right.
1: Exactly. So, anyway, but I'm 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 tired of talking about The Levar
0: Ball stuff. Okay. Me too. Well, what else we have on tap? Any questions uh, that flying through the periscope? Um, we had a bunch on Twitter. Let me. uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, let me pull those
1: up. The Periscope, people are watching, but the chat is not.
0: Well, get not your lit. questions in. Uh, Periscope's even easier. We are experiencing a lull. Uh, I feel like we could talk about, uh, you know, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, just throwing it out there, gets the complete and utter raw deal. Uh, I don't know if you watched the end of that Nets game against the Celtics, but it was like the refs decided uh, we're not going to blow whistle for anything. And uh, it was it's and then, and then they do the two minute review and they say that all the calls were fine. <laughs> and It was like there was two or three horrible calls down the stretch that they, they, they without questions should have uh, acknowledged they were bad. And I, I, so I don't even know if we should even bother looking at the two minute report anymore. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think I'm kind of with Draymond on the two minute report. It's, it, it might be a waste of, of time and exercise. Um, uh, we got a question from uh, from Brady Cloffer our friend of the show, friend of the breakdown. Brady. Yeah. What players have surprised you the most with their development this year and what have they done to create that development and improvement?
0: Okay, you want to go first?
1: Um, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll go with the easy one. I'll make you do the, uh, a hard one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Victor Oladipo has has improved quite a bit. I don't know what he's done to, to do this. Uh, oh,
0: well, we know what he's his, done. His we kind of the, talked about it, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. His off-the-dribble uh, shooting has improved quite a bit. He's uh, He's got the ball more in his hands. I think that helps a lot. And he, he lost weight, got his body in better shape, and I think he's just conditioning in general is kind of helping him. Um, and conditioning and health. That was kind of a big thing. Remember, he hurt his wrist last year. We saw we saw an improvement, and he hurt his wrist last year. And, um, and now we're kind of seeing, like, I would say we're seeing a little bit more of the fruit of that improvement that we saw the start of last year.
0: Yeah, um, and I, I'm going to yeah. throw this out there because I was talking about PEDs the other day with a bunch of other players in the, in the context, and all I could tell you is that they had that picture side-by-side for him but when he started working out, and then like three weeks <clears> later, <throat> he was really much more cut. And I don't, I I mean, I I talk to some people who think that it's possible, you know, there is one way to do that where you go, no carbs, no whatever, and you work work out every day. No carbs, no sugar. But uh, I'm very dubious, and I'm also, you know, he gives credit to Russ, and Russ, I think, has a bit of a cloud over his head as well for that kind of stuff. Uh, I think with his kind of recovery from the things that he recovered from so quickly, and so, uh, you know, effectually, that it's like... You know, I mean, they asked Derrick Rose, you know, back in the day in 2010, 2011, what, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what he, how he, how much of a problem PEDs are, I believe his answer was 11. And so I think that that's a really undetected or unreported story. And um, I think that there might be something there. I, I don't want to get all cynical in the middle of the season here, but uh, I, I just thinking about the other day. I mean, even remember when LeBron, after they lost to the Spurs in, the, in, in Miami, and like three weeks after the season, he looked like a, war, a World War II survivor, and he claimed he just had gone off carbs himself when, you know, you don't drop, you don't dramatically change your completely, completely the way you look that quickly, you know, short of stopping your training. You know, I don't know.
1: Um yeah, I'm not going to touch that one, but okay. uh I, I mean, <laughs> I I think that we we would all be naive to think that NBA players are not using PEDs. Um but I do know that drastically reducing carbohydrates like to the point where you're in, you know, ketosis.
0: ketosis. Yeah.
1: Can in 3 weeks you can do that. And and remember, these are these are top-level athletes and they've got world-class training staffs and all these other things. So um, I don't think the tr- the three week transformation we saw from him wasn't crazy. I mean, you you lose a ton of water weight, and so essentially what you see when you see more definition and stuff is is that that water is gone. Um, it's one of the things like bodybuilding competitions, like that's why they use diuretics and things like that. Um, yeah, so okay, I, I'm not, you know what? I'm not you're right. Of that you're, kind of stuff.
0: I, I don't want to light it up completely. You, 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 there, there, that is valid and, and as well, and that, that's possible. I mean, there's, there's definitely a path where that could happen, in, you know, normally as well. So, okay, fair enough. Um, but I'll, I'll jump in here and I'll throw out Spencer Dinwiddie, friend of the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, is really becoming a, a full-fledged, legitimate, like upper-level starter in the league. And what he's missing now is the kind of respect that a, a player like that deserves. Uh, and then down the stretch against the Celtics was really, really bad. Uh, he he went to the hole hard and got hammered and no call uh, down the stretch. And then they called another foul. I think it was on him uh, with Marcus Smart. That was also the phantom. So, uh, But, I mean, he's been playing really, really well. And if you give me a second, I'll even tell you what his numbers are. But um, he's been, you know, and by the way, one of the keys for his transformation is just sort of like just being more aggressive offensively, not not being as, as passive. So he's averaging 13-6. and six. And he's shooting 36 percent from three. He was actually higher than that for a while, um, but he's just running the team. So it's been really nice to watch as a, as a guard as D'Lo went down, and he comes in there and fills in, and they're uh, and they're doing okay uh, for right now for Brooklyn. So that's that's one guy I would definitely spotlight. Anybody yeah, else you know in mind? their
1: defense, their their defense has been kind of crazy uh, the last few weeks. They've been like top five defense for like the last three weeks or something like that. Kind of oh, crazy. Okay. Huh.
0: Yeah. Well, I saw some really good defense, certainly against the Celtics. Really good team defense, rotations, energy. So, yeah, whatever they're doing over there is something was happening, and they're and they'll continue to get better. Uh, you know, right now they're 15 and 24, and they're struggling, but um, you know they're they're competitive in a lot of these games, and that's going to make their pick, by the way, uh, a real issue for the um, Cavs. Wait, yeah. Like the Celt- well, wait, wait. The Celtics. The Cavs have the pick. The Cavs have their pick. Yes, sorry. Yeah. And the in the wait, which trade was that? That was that was the Kyrie trade. Okay, right. Yes, the Celtics had the Nets pick to give us so, a. Yeah. So that's an issue, right, for the I, Cavs. I think
1: I think Dinwiddie is a guy that might that we may see traded. Um, he's on on a great contract and signed through next season. Uh, they could actually wind up with a pretty decent asset for him. Although I like I like Dinwiddie a lot himself, but he might be a guy like that people aren't thinking of that that might be sort of on the trade block.
0: That's interesting. Well, you know, uh, he certainly has experience with that as well and jumping to different teams. And so I think he well, – either way, he deserves a chance to get comfortable and really, you know, run a team and, and show people. Uh, I would like to see him at least finish the season out and just, you know. he's Yeah, he's you know. a
1: real player. Like, he's a real good player. And, you know, injuries are, are so tricky, man. If you get injured in college or or if you're, you know, like – let's say you're not a high level draft pick and you're injured in your first couple of years in the league like it, you have to you have to like rehabilitate your image which is the craziest thing but if you were if you're the number 1 pick and you're injured you don't have it doesn't have the same stigma it's it's really funny yeah um but cuz you know another guy that you and I both love like Briante Weber yeah with he has the ACL had that ACL injury a few years ago and he's still like you know, on 10 days and two ways and stuff like that, you know, still struggling for a spot when I think both of us think that he could be the third guard on a good team.
0: Well, speaking of that team, Gerald Green out of nowhere was playing 2K one week and next week he's, he's imitating his 2K highlights on the court, uh, just stroking it. Uh, And every time I watch that guy, it's like, why isn't he a starter? Why isn't he a firm, you know, in firmly ensconced in the league? It is kind of strange. He's a great athlete. He can shoot it. I, I, I suppose there's must be things behind the scenes we just don't know about. Um, but if you get him in the right situation and you make it positive uh, and, you, and you have the right chemistry between him and his teammates, then you have something there. And, and man, he's really going to help. Yeah. I mean, the Rockets
1: are kind of the perfect place for Gerald Green because you've got, like, the ultraviolet green light. Um, <laughs> I like that. And, you know, and uh, it, it's just. I don't know, man. It's it's built for a guy like that that's not scared to shoot, never scared to shoot. So, um, yeah, I think I, what a great signing. He was he was a lot of fun the other night in that in that Warriors game.
0: Oh yeah, and you know when we watch the Warriors play and the, and, and the and the uh, the Rockets and those guys, I think the one thing you notice that's really good is is their chemistry and how they work together so well. And if you're interested in that kind of uh, chemistry, you know, when you're dating perhaps, then you got to choose e harmony. Because they understand how to match you to someone with that kind of chemistry because they have years of science and data and psychological research to find you the right matches. And I know that's, uh, you know, you were able to do that, Dave. In your life, you found the right match and you had the chemistry. You know how important it is, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, got a little bit of that uh, Stockton and Malone, Pippen and Jordan sort of chemistry going on in my house.
0: Nice. Nice. Complete with the, uh, the tap on the, the padding on the butt as they run by. Um, Every time, and you know millions of people have already found their perfect match for eHarmony, and this is not like a da- uh, this is not like Tinder or whatever they call those. This is this is not like a dating site you're looking for hookups. This is for when you want to find you know your perfect match, uh, and if right now if you you can get a free month with eHarmony when you sign up for a three month subscription, if you enter my code Coach at checkout C O A C H Coach as in Coach Nick, uh, and that's eHarmony. Uh, So you definitely should check it out if that's what you're looking for. And you should also stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, as I know a lot of you out there I'm sure are swiping right as we speak. But when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. So come see how eHarmony can change your life and go to eHarmony.com and get started. If you use my coach, uh, my code coach at checkout, then you can get that free month with a three month subscription. So find your love, find your chemistry and um, find your, you know, hey, you you know, fall in love with a podcast again. Hey, and look at that. You're moving. Talking about eHarmony unfroze your camera.
1: It did. Shout out to E-Harmony.
0: <laughs> wow. Thank you. you know, that was really nice of you to do that, too. So that was amazing. Um, here's a question from Joaquin uh, Okay, Guys, what do you think about Ginobili's moment? Should he be at the All-Star game? All right, uh, you know, he was really impressive tonight watching that game. I mean, the numbers, I have to check the numbers, the final stats. They probably aren't like Gaudi or anything, but he's still doing his thing. And it's going to be a real help for them in the playoffs without question.
1: Yeah, man, I love Mono Ginobili. I mean, you know, like one of my favorite players of all time. And so I would love to see him have like, you know, a final all-star moment, whatever that means. But the more important thing to me is that he has like a final, you know, playoff moment. I want to see him do some of the stuff he's been doing. He hit two game winners in the last few weeks. Um, tonight, he was just incredible. Six and nine from three. Yeah. To be able to do what he's doing at his age. Um yeah, I don't know, man. I, I love Manu, so I'm biased. So I, I'd actually have him start the All Star game. I think that maybe should be something that they that they consider maybe doing in the next CBA. Like, do like one like honorary t- kind of start, right? Like, so uh, Ginobili and maybe Dwayne Wade, right? So this might be. I mean, Dwayne Wade's not retiring, but Ginobili probably is. So like. You have the GMs or the players or someone choose a guy that like almost like a lifetime achievement award all star spot.
0: Yeah, I like that. I I do. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalize
1: on the nostalgia of the moment. Right. And and, I mean, everyone's all about these tribute videos and retiring guys jerseys after they played, you know, on a 10 day contract for a team. Um, But like if you really want. Like you know, the All Star Game is an exhibition that's about fun and the fans. So why not just add an extra spot and just throw a guy like Manu out there? He's fun. It's not like it's, you know, I'm not saying put Matt Bonner out there. You know what I mean? Right. No, Um, but no,
0: it's a great place for like Dirk and Manu. Yeah, exactly. And and like Wade. Yeah. Although you know,
1: Dirk and Wade are still getting voted in. It's kind of.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm so confused right now by the whole process because I know voting from the fans is not the hundred percent. Yeah,
1: it's like twenty five percent or something now. All
0: right. Well, what's the rest of the seventy five percent?
1: It's uh, players and coaches. Maybe, maybe coaches. I'm not sure.
0: All right. And the coaches, it's still whoever's number one by right like now uh, gets to be the head co- the coach of the All Star game, right?
1: Yeah, it's the best record. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, I don't really care. A ton about the All Star Game, but you know, if you're going to have a thing that's like basically only exists for the fans, um, then then maybe throw some fun stuff like that in. I, I also wish today I was watching on YouTube. I was watching when they used to uh, play horse. I watched Pistol Pete and George Gervin, and wow, I think cool. that's kind of a cool thing, man. Like they could bring something like that
0: back. Oh, absolutely. They should do that. I mean, hell, they could even do like fun two-on-two or something like that or three-on-three, I don't know, make you know something interesting where they might actually play a little harder too. Um, so, yeah. Now we have a question here, which I'm not even going to be that great at. With uh, Nick Defoe wants to know what our prediction for the Eastern Conference All-Stars. Um, you know, I don't know. We, I know, I know DeRozan is going to be on there, right? Yeah, I, th- I think Kyrie,
1: DeMar, Giannis, LeBron, and Embiid
0: okay I can go with that yeah and then we got what KP
1: yeah I think Porzingis probably makes it uh I bet Ben Simmons makes it yeah I wouldn't be shocked if Jason Tatum made it just because of the buzz around him I think Horford makes it uh John Wall Bradley Beal sure maybe Kyle Lowry I don't know I'm probably I probably already named like 12 guys 13 guys so yeah Uh, yeah, I mean, but there's a bunch of guys that are deserving. It, like, it's funny, man. To, there's a lot of guys having really good seasons this year, and uh, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm glad.
0: For sure. Uh, yeah. Here's another question. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I forgot about Oladipo. Oh, yeah. Oladipo, Oladipo. gets a spot. Oh, man. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, do you believe the Warriors still have it easy in the West? Uh, yeah. I mean, I do. I guess so. I, I mean, Houston, obviously, to me. Oh, by the way, so what? do we have any more information about the Kawhi shoulder injury?
1: No, they just said it was a tear, but it's easy. So a tear makes it sound worse than it probably is. Remember, uh, a sprain is a tear. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, so you know, they're saying he might play Thursday, so obviously it's not, you know, that bad. Okay. Um, but it's just a bummer because he's only been back for eight games. Right. You know, it sucks. This is feeling like a lost season for him.
0: Well, here's the question: Is like, is he now officially injury prone? Well, you. So you and I actually talked about this before because he had
1: he had the elbow thing. He had the eye thing is a little bit more fluke, but the elbow thing was a real big problem. The finger, um, the finger. Yeah, the finger. I don't know. I think this is more like Bogut type stuff where it's like, you know, gets hurt doing stuff rather than just is hurt. If that. That makes any sense whatsoever. Like, but Bogat had a bunch of fluke injuries, like when he broke his elbow. Right. Right. And so, yeah. Um,
0: right. Well, you I do Steph. I'm not going to.
1: Right. I'm not going to call him injury prone. I'm not okay. going to do that. Yeah.
0: I mean, at some point, you got to wonder because he's had now multiple seasons where he's had a lot of games. And, you know, I know it, it is a little bit um, random and freak, but. Uh, I don't know. It, it, just, it just popped in my head today earlier. I'm thinking about it because it's like, man, it's it's really too bad because if they can get him healthy, uh, all of a sudden that becomes one of those series where they could – I mean, I don't know. It's funny because it's a different team now, and they rely on a lot of these other younger guys who don't have reputations, and that's going to – it may or may not hurt them in the playoffs defensively when, you know – young players in, on their first or second year and they don't're not really well well known the random calls just go against them just for the sake of that, that they that they don't the referees don't know them and it's sad it's really not fair but that could be a problem uh, if you have the very little margin for error I think the, I think the Rockets though, are the ones that would beat them but it'd be like 126 to 122 every game uh, it'd be wild and I can't wait for it to happen I'm sure it will it looks like in the final the conference finals but um I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be that much easier. I think it'll be a little bit harder just because it's also, you know, the fourth year in a row that they're having to try and get there. Fourth year? It's fourth year, right?
1: Fourth year for
0: the Warriors. The Warriors. Overall.
1: Yeah, this will be year four.
0: So, you know, and that's yeah. just hard. That just becomes harder just for, by that.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. So another question. Um. Where was it, man? I had a question saved, but this new scrolling thing. While it's so much better, it's not. It's not amazing. Um, Well, all right. Here's here's one. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Well, here, here here's one from Kevin Fowley who asks: With the Wizards' personnel, can they incorporate more 21 action and take more threes? And uh, it's interesting you ask about 21. We just did a nice e clinic with Day 7 to the Clippers on 21, which is what the the Antonio the Antoni Suns ran more than the. So they don't really run it. You don't see the Rockets running 21 that much, right?
1: They've run it a little bit, but it's not like the Suns where it was almost every possession started with a pistol.
0: Yeah, so – and basically the idea is either you kind of dribble handoff to the wing or you pass the ball to the wing and follow the pass back for a handoff. It's that kind of action at the wing with the point guard and the two guard basically, which is – I think it's why they call it 21. 21, Um, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, listen, it's a great offense. It's not even – by the way, it's not an offense. That's the thing. Right. Uh, it's because if you don't get a shot within the first couple of actions, then you have to have an underlying motion or something or else it's going to die. There's nothing you, you yeah. know uh, to have out of that. So um, I love it though. I think it's a great way to start any offense either way. Absolutely. So every team should be using it as much as they can. And, you know, you, you can know, attack taking,
1: early. Yeah. Out of 21 or out of pistol. I don't even call it 21. I call it pistol, yeah. um, but you can attack early out of pistol. Um, you can, you can actually, you know, If your guys are good screeners, you can get the pistol ahead and set a screen right on the ball and then you fire it right back to the screener. And I mean, it's if you've got like Chris Paul and James Harden should be running a lot of pistol.
0: Right. And by the way, James, uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal would be unstoppable, don't you think? I worry that I worry that Wall's shooting might not be
1: strong enough, but if he's if he's the screener, I don't know. I mean I still would like to see it. Let's put okay. it that way. Like I I'm willing to I'm willing to be wrong about that. Um sure. but I worry that his his shooting might not be enough of a threat. Um but uh yeah, I mean they, I think everyone should run it. So
0: yeah, and they have the pieces. When you got Markeith Morris and Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter, and these guys can all be drag screeners, and they can all be on the weak side spotting up, and you have guys like Gortat, who would be perfect in, uh, as a drag screener coming out of that too, uh, who can space the floor a little bit and can put the ball on the ground a little bit too. Uh, yeah, they have a really good um, team for that, uh, which kind of reminds me, as we, we kind of wrap this up, uh, I was talking earlier today about three-point shooting in general and how it's basically been a stagnant percentage the whole almost the whole league you know, since we since we've had the three point shot 35 right. 36% is a league average it hasn't gone up and i think a lot of people might be surprised by that and i want to do a video on this I figured i'd ask you about this it, it, do you have any any ideas why the three point percentage really hasn't moved even though it definitely feels like we have a lot more good shooters now right you know i wonder how
1: much of that just has to do with defense um and then and then the, the prevalence of the shot means that more bad shooters are shooting threes. So, so it sort of just, you know, you get that kind of equilibrium there, right around that 36% mark. Okay. Um, I think that that's, I, I would guess that's probably what it is. So you have more bad shooters taking those shots, so it pulls down the more good shooters, so it always evens out. Uh,
0: I would say that's definitely a part of it. I also think that even the good shooters take bad shots.
1: And and that's a, the other thing. Well, they're taking tougher shots for sure. Like, I mean, th- I bet that off the dribble threes are probably a, they're the most prevalent now right. than than they've ever been. So, um, yeah, I think it's just that, it, you know, it's weird that it settles right around that 36 percent mark and we don't get these like big spikes. Like we haven't had a season where where it's like 39 percent.
0: Yeah. Uh, that is weird. And, I, and I, my, my theory would be, and I can do a video on this too, I think what I'll do is, if they could just eliminate like 10 to 12% of the threes they're taking, and these, these are the ones that are like one pass up in the pass, it's not a drive and a kick, it's not a kick out from the post up, it's not an uh, offensive rebound to kick out, Those, you get rid of some of those, and they're not all, by the way, a lot of them aren't even off a dribble. I think there's a lot of really bad ones that are just really contested off the catch. If you can get rid of those and get better shot selection out for that and better, just better conceptual uh, a concept of like what a good three is versus just like, well, we need to take threes, we're going to take them. Uh, I think that then we would finally start to see a little bit of a thawing out of that and it'll go up. Uh, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But it would be nice if we finally had 15 teams in the league that really stressed how to get good shots. I'm not so sure that the coaches there even stress that. They simply say, we need threes.
1: Right. I mean, this is where you and I talk a lot about leveraging the corners, um, having those off ball actions. Um, You know, this is and I I know that I'm going to get killed because I'm going to talk triangle. But some of those triangle principles where you work the strong side with the with the goal of getting like that lifted shooter on the weak side, only instead of mid range, you want threes. And so stuff like that. And, And that's important. And the good offenses do these things. The other offense, where offenses where it's just a struggle, that's those are the ones where it, it just seems like it's like just shoot the three. And I froze again, and I froze in like a really weird like it looks like I'm trying to take a bite out of the microphone. So
0: yeah, that's not too bad. There's worse ways ways to freeze. Uh, you know what? There's some good questions here. I almost feel like maybe we'll go over and we'll do some over overtime here and like maybe trim it out for the podcast. But yeah, um, let's let's do it because there's some good questions here. Um, Oh, wow, they came in a flurry here. So let's, let's get um, – what do I think about Miami's nice little stretch they've been on? This is from Brian Carrico. Uh, what do you think about Miami? Because they've been really on, not talked about at all this year and sort of completely in the shadows in a weird way. They shouldn't have been this, as bad as they are.
1: Yeah, you know, I watched them today uh, against Utah, and, and they came and, and, you know, they won the game there at the end. And um, Josh Richardson is very impressive to me. That dude is a basketball player. He's a great defender. He gets stuck guarding threes a little bit too much, but, you know, I, I think that he still can can kind of hold his own. Um, Kelly Olenek has been really, really good for them. He's always been a good screen setter, but I just think, like, his passing has been important for them this year. Um I like what they're doing. And and Spolster is a good coach who's gonna get the maximum amount out of his players. I mean, he called a great sideline out of bounds. As a matter of fact, his sideline out of bounds game winner today was the same one that they call they called for LeBron to to win like game seven of the Eastern Conference finals against the Pacers? Indiana. Yeah. 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 Wait, yeah. is that
0: the one Paul George completely screwed the pooch? Yes. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah right. Uh, a little like a zipper or something like it that. Was a right zipper then the
1: and then and then yeah, nice screen and then you catch the big Who's coming up too high? And uh, Richardson actually hit a nice little, just a quick hesitation, just yeah. to freeze the big and got got him on his back hip, and it was done. Yeah, um, it was
0: such a. I mean, it was a really hard finish. I know it was like a layup per se, but it was yeah. like, yeah, the guy was a fingernail from blocking that thing. Uh, and they've won four in a row. They're seven and three in their last ten. So all of a sudden, out of all that, when they weren't even in the playoff hunt really, now they're firmly ensconced in the fifth place, a uh, half game behind the Wizards. So, that's crazy. You know what? That must mean that they need, they, we need to do a video on that because, uh, you know, that's what's crazy about what's going on. And, by the way, this is all related to threes and the variability we keep seeing. And, like, you'll have these wild runs where a team will win 7 out of 10 and they'll lose, you know, lose right. 8 out of 10. And it's just you know, a wacky, wild, uh, regular season. So, um, yeah, I mean, because we've seen in the Eastern Conference a lot of shifting going on. The Raptors are now gone on a big run. And we've already talked about them, how good they look. Um, You know what? The East is probably as good as it's been in several years. Yeah, it's
1: fun. And there's a lot of fun teams in the East, whereas it felt like uh, the last few years that it was just a slog to watch some of these bad teams. But even like the bad like the Nets are not a good basketball team or maybe they are an okay basketball team, um, but they're fun to watch. And so that's that's nice that stylistically, at least, we're getting teams that that we want that we want to watch whether they win or not is debatable. But, man, that that Jazz Heat game was a lot of fun today. I mean, uh, Donovan Mitchell is just – I, I could watch that guy play uh, exclusively. Like, if you said, hey, you you can only watch Donovan Mitchell play basketball, I'd be good. Right. He's fun. He's a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, and
0: you you had him early. So that's – you know did. You We're way yeah. on him early. Good Kudos to you. Adam uh, asks, DJ to the Cavs, a good move or no? And that's been kind of been whispered around a lot, and I don't know – the Cavs have been doing okay. It's not like they were panicking when LeBron was demanding like more help. The other, the, was it last year or whatever what year it was? Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not even sure how that move would work. Like, What would they trade?
1: Um, I think they would trade the Nets pick, uh, Tristan Thompson, and maybe Amon Shumpert or Channing Frye or something like that. Um, right. Yeah, it, I don't know. Uh, here's my question for you. Does getting DJ win them the title? No. Right. It doesn't. But here's what it might do. If LeBron leaves, I forget. I heard this somewhere. I heard it on another podcast. So, uh, you know, guys, I'm trying to remember wh- which one it was, but I can't rough top of my head. So let's say they make the trade for DJ and, and they get a, a like a commitment that he's going to resign there during the summer. But they lose LeBron. So then you've got Isaiah Thomas, which who you could probably resign DJ and Kevin Love. That's a playoff team in the East, even without LeBron. So there's there's something to that. If you don't want to just completely blow it up this summer, um, with that being said, I don't I don't know I don't really know if you if you bother with that. I don't know if DJ and I like DJ. I think he's a good player, but I don't know if he moves the needle enough to. I don't think you're winning a title because you got TJ.
0: Right. Well, here's the thing with LeBron. If LeBron leaves, then you 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 want the pick, right? You want to have right. the pick. And right. so it's like, in any kind of scenario you're describing, like they make the trade, whatever, and he leaves anyway, and they don't have that pick, it's like, I, I, that just seems really rough. Uh, although, again, the Nets continue to kind of you know screw, screwing with that whole plan because they're just good enough where it's not as high of a pick as they thought it was going to be, right? There's one, two, three. There's three teams in the East that are worse than them, and uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five teams in the West, so they're, they're the ninth worst team. That's really good. And by the way, remember how much crap we got for saying that before the season started? Right. Yeah. So much crap. And, yeah. and it's crazy because, and by the way, they're not even playing that well, but like there's other teams clearly that are positioning themselves to get below them. So, um, so that's my whole thing. Is, and again, because like what does DJ do? Like, by the way, like Tristan Thompson kind of does exactly what DJ does.
1: Ooh, I, mm, I, I won't know. Defensively, no. no, not at all. I don't think that DJ is a great like post defensive defender. Uh, he's not. He's not. But he, like, there's also not much post ups. Right. And he, like, blocks so, shots, you know, he blocks that, shots. He blocks shots. He's much, a good rebounder. Um, he's well, not going to get killed on a switch. Tristan Thompson gets like he gets, is unplayable against the Warriors. He just can't be out there.
0: Oh, OK. I, I don't know. I felt like he was, you know, not, you know OK on those switches. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see DJ being any better on those switches and in, in pick and roll than I, Tristan Thompson. I think
1: that you do? I think he's better. I think he's better, but I don't think he's better enough to, to bother with making that trade. Right. I, I mean, agree to with me, you. I think if I think yeah. you got to keep that pick unless LeBron tells you he's staying.
0: And, like, word in the street is, like, you know, so Crowder is maybe playing a little bit better defense now, which is, like, you know, that wing defender, they need at least one more of those. And uh, they've already – they've given up on Shumpert, it kind of feels like. Uh, Wait, remember, he he
1: had knee surgery, yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. So he hasn't been playing. Um, But even when he was playing, it was almost like they were kind of moving on as it was. So, you know, to me, if you want to beat the Cavs, uh, I mean, the Warriors, you got to have, you know, a fantastic point guard defender. And you got to have, which you know uh, they don't really have, and you got to have someone to guard KD. Uh, LeBron doesn't want to do it. They like he doesn't guard KD really. So, and even though he probably should. So, um, yeah, I don't see how they match. It's just not a good matchup for them. It's just not the way they're built.
1: Yeah. Now, with that being said, if you only did things to match up with the Warriors, you probably wouldn't do not uh, anything because uh, you know you can't really match up with the Warriors. It's it's a tricky situation. Um, And uh, yeah. I mean, I know Dan Gilbert has asked LeBron if he's staying, and he hasn't given an answer. So
0: that's oh, by the way, that's <laughs> and I got in trouble when I said you know they had Paul George being interviewed during the game uh, the other day, and like when I, I said if if the dude is not saying I want to retire here, I'm going to raise my kids and they're going to go to school in this city, like if you, anything short of that, they're leaving. And I know that like other people said, oh, they other there are people who promise and then they've left anyway, but. All I know is that it's like when, when you sort of couch a lot of your answers in those like, you know, this is a great city, uh, you know, I have great respect for the whatever. Like that, those are just code words for me like that he's already more than halfway out the door.
1: Yeah, I think so. I and By the way,
0: LeBron, LeBron's got two like $20 million homes in L.A. Uh, the kids are already living here as far as I understand they moved from Akron or wherever he was yeah. living then. So that's another thing that I'm sure it's why people are thinking he's going to leave. So uh, I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting thing. And again, DJ, I don't, I think we both agree uh, on that one. Uh, there's an interesting question. Somebody asked about why Wiggins and towns are so bad at D, and I simply refer you to my video. I did uh, a few weeks ago, two, week two or two ago on the worst defensive duo, which was Wiggins and towns. Uh, and you'll get your answer. We, uh, we got a
1: question about the top three in the draft next year. Ah, uh, uh, Yes. I don't know how much, you've, how much you've looked.
0: Well, we know Doncic is in there, right? I,
1: I mean, I, I would take Doncic number one. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, we've got so much information on him. And I think that what it shows is that he's he's ready to go. Yeah. Um, but my, my assumption is that, that it's going to be really, really difficult for whatever team has a number one pick to, unless it's, I mean, I guess the Sixers, if they have the number one pick, then they're okay. They they probably will take Doncic, uh, but I think Ayton is going to be hard to pass up for a lot of teams, just wh- because of yeah. how how like I mean his freaking his body like the like his size, his movement, um, the defensive issues, notwithstanding. Um, even though he's he's decent in space, but I think he's going to be hard to pass up. But uh, yeah, what were you going to say?
0: Uh, I was just going to think, why would they draft? Uh, why would the Sixers draft uh, Doncic at the point why guard position?
1: Well, Doncic is not going to play the point guard in the NBA. Uh, he's going to play the wing. Oh,
0: interesting. He's
1: going to be a he's going to be a playmaking wing. He's a good shooter. Um, he you know he's six eight. He's not going to be able to guard ones in the NBA for whatever that
0: matters. Right. Um, I mean, but again, they already have Simmons. You're right. I guess they'll just play a bunch of 6'8 dudes and Embiid and, and, uh, and just, you know, destroy teams. Okay. Working out
1: that. pretty well for Boston.
0: Right. Okay. Fair right. enough. I mean, um,
1: my, like a lineup of Fultz, Doncic, Covington, Simmons, and Embiid is pretty damn good.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. And and by the way, you, you get rid of Fultz and you, you put um, Saric in there. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. you kind that's of go they like don't big
1: wind up trading starts, but
0: all right. Cause that's big and stretchy at the same time. It's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, they have a lot of options there. They got to just continue to, you know, kind of show some more progress. They did write the shift, They're back in 500 at least. Cause I feel like they were, yeah they were under 500 for a little while now. They won four in a row. So, um, both played full contact five on five today. Yeah. So. so they're expecting him back probably before the all-star game. Right.
1: I, I would guess so. I would guess so. Be nice, man. I, you know, it, if he's, if he's as good as we all expected him to be, it'll be like getting a nice free agent acquisition, you yeah. know, a rotation player. Um, that's that's going to be important for this team.
0: Absolutely. Uh, next question we have is, uh, should Miami trade Whiteside? I mean, that's a question they ask every year, it seems like, uh, every few months. They don't play him in crunch time.
1: Yeah. That probably tells you about as much as you need to know about how they feel about him.
0: Okay. Uh, And does he
1: have value? See, that's the tricky part is I don't know. I mean, he's so limited in what he does. And this isn't to say that he's a bad player. He's a good defender. Um,
0: I mean, listen, the dude averages 14 and uh, 12 and, you know, 1.4 blocks in about 25 and a half minutes a game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like he gets numbers. But does that do his
1: numbers translate to winning basketball?
0: Right. And that's a that's a hard thing to try and explain to people. It is because there's some others, other players out there too that get numbers, but maybe they're not making a lot of winning plays. Uh, and so uh, you never know how, you know how that works and how how you can in, insist and, and that happens a lot of times when people will say, well, they wouldn't have been in the game without that huge game he had. I said, like, yeah, but then they throws it all away the last four minutes by mistakes. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like it, it sounds like they should trade him they're ready to move on. It's just a question of what, the, you know, what they can get for him. Um, and you know, and he, he's, he's got, he's got starting center value, right?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. So <laughs> I think so. I don't know. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. He's not a unicorn, but he's being paid like, he's being paid like a top five center in the league. And I don't think he is.
0: No, nope. Uh, let's see here. Another, another good question. Any trades the Rockets can make to compete with the Warriors, or any crazy trades that could shake the NBA? Um, I, I don't know. The Rockets, they probably the only thing they would want to do is somehow upgrade. Like, but I, I mean, Anderson works so well for them as far as offensively, um, you know. And when they when they're all healthy, then they don't need to do much. I think that I had some criticism the other day, the other day when I watched them. Oh my goodness against somebody, but uh, uh, maybe it was Harden wasn't playing. Maybe Capella was out too. So that, that just looked, that was not a good look is for them, but, but you could sense like when they are all healthy, I think they have enough to compete and maybe beat them. Right.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, You know, they, they have a puncher's chance, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get hot. And that's that's what's going to really like give them an opportunity to win in a playoff series. Um, But with that being said, I mean, the Warriors are just the Warriors. And I mean, like we saw with Steph Curry the other day, put up 45 and three quarters. Yeah. And he has just been on fire since he got back. So uh, the Warriors always have that that sort of, you know, ace in the hole. They can just say, hey, Steph. Uh, you're going to have the ball the whole time and we'll run you with pick and pick and rolls with Kevin Durant and that's it. Game over.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dave, I think we, uh, we put some good work in on this one.
1: Yeah, what did you say? I think so. I think so too. Sorry. You broke up for a second there. Uh-oh. Um, well, yeah, I think this was, I think this was a good one. Um, I always love, uh, I always love taking questions, so we got to do more of that.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll get back on our schedule. we we'll do our Sunday night pod and uh, one during the week as well. So we'll figure that out. And you're on Frozen again, which is always a cause for rejoice. But we'll get everything fixed in the technical side going better uh, next time. So anyway, uh, great stuff. Uh, looking forward to another week of really good videos coming out. We'll have to figure out what those are going to be. But maybe something on the three-point shooting would be interesting. Uh, anything going up with you? Uh, no. Just... <laughs> Just gearing up for the end of my
1: season, which is uh, going to be happening over the next like three weeks. Nice. So yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be completely unrested until February.
0: All right. Well, keep keep your uh, keep the grind going. Keep your uh, ears and eyes open for everything you can see on the B- NBA beat. Uh, thank you guys for all joining us for the on the podcast. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, that B-Ball Breakdown—not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. You win, Dave?
1: Yes, I am.